This is episode 17 of Artist Impressions. Today I'm talking to photographer Fanny Beckman. Fanny's portraits are always taken from a feminist perspective and she uses her art as well as public speaking to raise awareness of the male gaze in photography and marketing. She's the host of a podcast series called Women of My Generation in which she investigates the role um, of mental health in the health industry. She's worked with brands including Levi's, The Guardian and The Prince's Trust. Um, and her work has been exhibited all over the UK and Europe. Welcome, thank you for coming on Artist Impressions, how are you? Thank you so much, I'm really happy to be here. Um, I'm good, I woke up with loads of energy today, so I'm, I'm ready for this and excited. Good, amazing. Um, let's get straight into talking about um, the, the feminist and a- activist aspect of your work, because it seems completely integral to your practice. I thought it'd be good to start by talking about your project, Take Back the Streets. Um, it's a, a recent project um, portraying women, non-binary people and trans people in places they feel unsafe, um, with the aim to start conversations about um, victim blaming um, and safety in public in the wake of Sarah Everard's murder. Can you start by just describing the project? Yeah, of course. Yeah, like I said, it's my most recent project, personal project. And I started thinking about it in March 2021 after the murder of Sarah Everard, because that um, murder led to so much um, frustration and anger in in most women. Um, And, you know, my friends and I were talking about it all the time. And it was that sense of the person, or one of the um, persons who was supposed to protect us actually was the one who took um, Sarah Everard's life. So, and it really started a big debate around victim blaming. And for the first time, people started to share their own experience of how we protect ourselves when we're out and about, um, you know, having keys in our hands and wearing sneakers rather than high heels or having an extra pair of shoes in our bags. And we all do this um, or have different kinds of defence mechanisms, but uh, it wasn't until March 2021 that I felt that we finally started talking about it and kind of questioning it and like why do we have to be the ones protecting ourselves rather than having a discussion around how men can be better allies um so I always turn to photography to kind of process what is going on in the society and process my own feelings so very early on I knew that I had to do something um a project around this theme but I didn't really know how to start so for this first six months after that I just did loads of research and watched documentaries and following the news um because unfortunately it wasn't just this murder that um got lots of attention in the media but it continued to happen especially in South London there were so many murders and I live in South London myself so it really felt like it was close to home and then in November the same year I got a grant um to um to use to um, create a photo project. So that's when I started to think like, okay, now I can actually do this. Um, And like you said, I decided to take photos of women, non-binary people and trans people in places where they feel unsafe. So I reached out on Instagram, explaining what I wanted to do and asking people to contact me if they they were um, happy to be part of the project. Um, So it was, Um, an opportunity to raise an awareness of 
um, how common it is to be um, sexually harassed or physically attacked or just having that fear when you're out and about walking alone in the dark for example so there are loads of different stories in Take Back the Streets um, some people have chosen to be portrayed in places where they have been harassed before while others have just chosen a place where they are scared walking alone and I've asked everyone involved to also um, handwrite their story as well so um, the whole series is diptychs so basically a portrait and then a handwritten story as well um, so it was yeah like I said it was an opportunity to raise awareness of this but also for the people involved to create a, a positive memory in these kind of spaces so that's why I chose the title take back the streets um, to just again a reminder that the public is also there for us uh, and that we shouldn't have to feel scared when we are walking alone. Um, it's a really beautiful series each of the subjects looks straight down the lens at the viewer sort of asking questions of the viewer I wonder what what's the response been from from people seeing the exhibition? So I had um, the opportunity to exhibit the photos uh, during a very long time last year, so from April 2022 till September 2022. That was actually in Sweden, uh, which is where I'm from originally. And it was, it's so clear that so many people really want to talk about this, but there's still a stigma around it. And for me, it was important to have conversations with the men in my life as well, and also men who came to uh, the exhibition. Um, to talk about what they do to be better allies or how, what they can do. Um, because women, we already know how we feel when we're out and about. And it's, it's um, you know, I want to, like I said, question victim blaming and raise this discussion with people who might not normally think about these kind of things. Um, so obviously, when I talk to women about these photos, it just opens up. Uh, an opportunity to share our personal experiences uh, which has been it's so emotionally draining uh, sometimes to to hear this and to realize how how common it is but it's also beautiful that it can be a safe space for us to share our stories without feeling embarrassed or or, or anything like that um, but when I had the conversations with men it's um, been a lot about, for example, women are usually advised to maybe either call a friend when we're out alone or pretend that we're talking on the phone. But what if men do that instead? If you notice that someone in front of you is scared, pretend that you're on your way somewhere. Talk to someone like, yeah, I'll be home in five minutes or blah, blah, blah. And then the person who's scared of you or worried might realize oh okay he's not here to hurt me he's actually on his way somewhere so we can just flip it and um it's quite common that men cross the street if they notice um that a woman is worried uh, you know loads of my male friends have said that they do that so just i want men to talk to each other about this as well give each other advice this is what i do to be a better ally um and i notice quite often as well women in front of me who look around and a bit worried because I'm quite tall as well um, so uh, and if they don't know um, that I'm a woman then I do notice that women in front of me are worried um, and as a woman I know the importance of just taking a step to the side and showing like I'm not here to hurt you and it's just small things like that that can really change 
uh, the safety for marginalised people. Definitely. I'm always really aware of um, where my shadow's hitting, so where someone else is walking, because I know that that is it's stressful when you can feel a shadow. So I, I exactly the same. I'll always make sure that either I walk past and I'm like, just a gal, I'm, or, or that I move so that... Um, yeah, absolutely. I think there's something really beautiful about that photo series of it being in such a public place, usually a recognisable place, but it's such a sort of personal portrait and you're really drawn into that individual's experience of that space. Um, have you always used your work to, to, to sort of with, with a feminist activist lens? Has it, has it always been integral to your photography? So I started getting involved with the feminist movement when mm. I was around 16, 17. I come from a quite political family anyway, and we've always discussed equality at home. But I think when you're a child, you don't really understand it or you want to find your own path and stuff like that. But I remember it was in school and there was this organisation that came and had a talk um, for our class about this project that they did. Um, where young women just met and talked about the society. It wasn't anything to do with party politics at all. It was just a safe space for us to talk about um, the way we move around the world and about, you know, human rights and women's rights and stuff like that. And that really opened up my eyes to the society we live in. And it, um, I got quite frustrated hearing about the stories um, or, like, about different stories, about different women's lives both in my home country Sweden but then also other parts of the world so at that point I was already you know quite determined that I wanted to become a photographer one day but up until then I didn't really know much more than like fashion photography because I none of my parents are in the creative industry and so all I ever saw was either advertisement or fashion that was my idea of photography but then I started to realise that, you know, you could use photography to do so much more. And I started to work with different feminist organisations in Malmo, my hometown. Um, first, I did more like press and photography and event photography and stuff like that. But after college, I decided to study photography and I studied art photography. So it was a lot of focus on personal projects and exhibitions and you know, the message behind the photos, which was completely different from what I had imagined before. I thought it was all about aesthetics and, and beauty and stuff like that. Uh, but all of a sudden I was exposed to this completely new world where I could use photography to to share my personal stories, but also other people's stories. Mm. Um, so it was quite fresh then for me um, to think about the feminist movement, which is a big part of me, uh, at that point as well and photography and I started to think how can I combine these so it was really great to just have a year of doing my own project and exploring this area and then I moved back down south in Sweden and I got involved um, in, with a women's shelter where I was a volunteer because mm -hmm. at that point I um, I had a lot of time I didn't have much money because I was trying to freelance as a photographer but I had a lot of time so I was like what can I do with um, my time so I decided to volunteer at the women's shelter so I helped women and children who were suffering um, from abusive relationships and quite early on they actually asked me how can we 
use your photography skills to raise awareness of domestic abuse because at the women's shelter you usually um, focus on um, helping people who are already in a very vulnerable position but obviously we want to prevent it from happening to more and the only way we can do that is um, through spreading awareness and knowledge about it and I think that art and photography is such a powerful tool to use to start conversations and to remove stigma and that's been my experience as well when I've had exhibitions like people open up so much as soon as they see and hear that uh, they are not alone in this um, with suffering with these kind of things. Your time as a volunteer at the Women's Shelter um, culminated in a project called I Just Slipped. Can you tell me a little bit more about that project specifically? Yeah, of course. Um, so it's only around 10 photos. And uh, when we started discussing how we could portray domestic abuse by photography, it was obviously super important to think about safety and we couldn't portray the real victims of domestic abuse that we met at the shelter because they were living um, under hidden identity. So I, we started to think, how can we do this? And I decided to use other volunteers at the shelter as models, uh, because to me, it was really important that they had an awareness of uh, these kind of problems. And so we contacted theatre in, in Malmo as well, who, um, you know, they they um, recreated wounds and bruises that we had seen on real victims of domestic abuse. So we had so many meetings beforehand explaining different situations and different uh, women that we've met for these makeup artists. And it was a very emotional day. Um, but it was also, again, such a safe space and beautiful that we could, you know, have these kind of conversations and talk about how hearing these stories affects us personally as well but then um, also about finding hope and uh, how we can spread awareness of how common domestic abuse is and that it happens in um, to people not just women but to uh, people in um, various ages and various sexualities and also for me, especially back then, so this was in 2016, so it was before the Me Too movement. No one was talking about this, even in the media or to each other. So for me, before I had this knowledge, I had this assumption that it happened to people from either different cultures than the Swedish cultures, uh, because in Sweden and around the world, there's this assumption that Sweden is this perfect country up north where ev everyone's equal and stuff like that. But if we have that kind of um, assumption, then we will not really tackle the problems that are there because we think that everything is perfect. So I experienced a lot of the time when people would say like, oh, not that man, he would never hit um, a woman like that because he comes from a very good background. He's from this um, ethnicity and stuff like that. And, and I noticed also classism that you would think that it's mainly a problem within um, working class backgrounds. 
And when I moved to England, this was even more, um, this prejudice was even more common. I remember people saying that, you know, the beer brand Stella, and people would call that the wife-beating beer because it's the cheapest beer. So, yeah. the, like, the way we talk about things actually has a huge effect and on how mm. we tackle the problem as well. And, how, and you might not think that that will affect you or have an impact on, on your um, way of dealing with social issues, but it actually does. Um, so, again, having these kind of conversations and using photography to to um, show that it can happen regardless of socioeconomic class or or uh, ethnicity is is really powerful i think absolutely um i want to pick up on what you're saying about creating a safe space when taking photographs particularly in relation to um your project women of my generation because it's, it's a beautiful sort of joyful series of women um sitting in their underwear relaxed and there seems to be a sort of sense of calm and confidence amongst all the, all the um, people sitting in their underwear. You clearly have a gift for making people feel comfortable in front of uh, the camera. Um, I want to know a bit more about that project and also about um, creating a safe, comfortable space um, on set. Yeah, of course. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. Um, so Women of My Generation is a project questioning beauty standards. And I was just so fed up with having conversations with my friends and hearing how much they struggle with body dysmorphia and to a large extent it's photography's fault that we are struggling with with body image because um you know you see the same type of bodies in in the media and you start to compare yourself and again this was a few years ago um i'm happy that we have seen a change when it comes to traditional media uh, not just in terms of uh, body size, but also skin colour um, as well. But then there's the flip side of that, which is social media and filters and TikToks, which can also create really harmful beauty standards. So basically, again, it was similar kind of um, approach as Take Back the Streets, where I reached out on Instagram and asked if people wanted to get involved. And I was quite overwhelmed by how many people wanting to get involved. And it just proved to me that I was far from the only one who was frustrated of seeing the same kind of bodies in the media. And it was quite a lot of my friends wanted to get involved, but it was also people that I'd never met before. And going back to your question, I thought that was beautiful that they actually invited me to their homes you know, um, were willing to be in front of my camera in their underwear, you know, for someone that you never met before. And they also knew that it was going to be, a, you know, public exhibition as well. So that just proved even more that they were willing to do this um, for others and for themselves um, to be more confident because it wasn't just really confident people who got involved. There was, you know, situations where some of my models had a panic attack because they were so uncomfortable um, being in front of someone else in the underwear. So then I just had to put down my camera and, and before the shoot, I would normally, depending on the person, of course, but I would normally have 
you know, two hours conversations beforehand, just, you know, having a cup of tea and talking about, yeah, their relationship to the bodies, but also about other things, just to get to know each other, really. Because I, I think that you can really see if there is that mutual trust in a photo or not. And for me, photography isn't just about, you know, pressing the shutter and taking the photo. It's about the conversations behind the scenes and the conversations that you have afterwards when you meet others as well. So, yeah, building that trust is vital for me. And you can only do that with conversations, I think, uh, and obviously explaining my um, ambition with the project as well. And they, you know, we share the same values. So it worked really well. And it, with women of my generation, it was so beautiful to see women who were really struggling with the confidence at first. And I remember especially one shoot where the model had a big, big, big teddy bear in front of her and kind of like tried to hide uh, from the camera. And I was like, that's absolutely fine. If, you know, you do what makes you feel more comfortable. But then towards the end of the shoot, she just like threw the teddy bear away and was just like so confident in her own body. It was so beautiful to see that shift. And you can usually see it in the whole body language and in the eyes and stuff like that. And then, you know, receiving messages afterwards that actually wasn't just a brief moment, but now they do feel more confident in their body, which is just, it's incredible. And I, I felt so lucky and privileged that they wanted to, to share that experience with me. You continued the project with a podcast investigating health and mental health in the health industry further. What did you learn from doing that podcast? I learned so much because when I started taking the photos, I realised that it was it was such a vulnerable position to be in, um, especially for the models. So they kind of already broken down all the barriers. So they started to talk about their deepest thoughts and they start to be vulnerable and share personal stories about their relationship with their bodies and I, and I just thought that it's such a shame that I was the only one who got to hear these stories because it was so clear to me that we all or most of us struggle with similar kind of things but we don't really talk about it um, and if you notice that you're not the only one going through um, these kind of thoughts then that will make you feel less lonely and less embarrassed and um, similar to with the project um, around domestic abuse I do really think like conversation is key for uh, understanding and processing your own thoughts so that's why I started the podcast as well and we talked about loads of different things it was one thing that I did really learn from this project was how common it is for parents to project their eating disorders onto their children I would say around 90% of the models I took photos of had some kind of experience of that either indirectly so maybe their parents went on a diet um, and the child um, heard them speaking negatively about their own bodies and be like oh well if you're not happy with how you look and I kind of look like you then that means that I shouldn't be happy with my body either. But there's also been uh, horrific stories of um, parents not allowing the child to eat at all. Um, and obviously that de um, develops 
really bad eating disorders and the children either early on or later in life. Um, but we also had conversations about the media and how that affects us. Um, but in every episode, it was important for me to ask a question like, how can we um, make peace with ourselves and how can we encourage the younger generations to to feel better about themselves as well um, and I know one episode I talked to mixed race models and we spoke about um, Black Lives Matters and how that then um, you know she got so many more requests um, and people wanting to work with her after Black Lives Matter movement and she started to question is this just a trend am I just a trend or are they actually making an effort what is going on but she said it very beautifully like if if me being present in these kind of campaigns means that a little girl with the same kind of hair sees me and sees I'm beautiful then you know that's everything that matters to me and then she also used the money that she got from these kind of campaigns to invest into her own art project, which is about um, highlighting women of colour's artwork. So she could really, you know, do something for the community as well. So, yeah, Women of My Generation has led to so many insights and beautiful conversations. I'm so grateful for I feel like now's a good time to ask you about your um, more editorial work and your work with brands. Um, so I know you, you work with them to diversify their marketing, to consider the male gaze in their marketing. How do you bring your the perspectives that you use in your personal arts um, projects to your more editorial brand work? Yeah, so I always question like the male gaze and think about the female gaze and whatever I do. Um, and I'm lucky that I get to work with lots of com companies and people that share my values around equality and sustainability. And I think a lot about the angles I shoot from, for example, because um, historically um, women have usually been portrayed with like the camera slightly above her head. So that makes her look smaller. And the opposite with men, they, if the camera is slightly below the waist, for example, then that makes them look more powerful and bigger. And the, there's, um, you can see differences in, in terms of, uh, you know, what kind of light you use when you take photos. So if you're in the studio, that for men is usually harsh light, it's black and white, which obviously affects how we interpret the image. And with women, it's soft light and a bit pinkish. So I'm always very aware of this when I take photos and also with, when I do public speaking as well. So I do um, public speaking lectures and workshops about these kind of things um, to just raise awareness of these kind of things because they are so normalised. And I've had uh, lectures and workshops about women in my generation for underwear companies, for example, so they can start thinking about um, angles and also realise that not everybody is comfortable sitting in the same position, for example. That's something that I learned with that project as well, that I can't tell, give too many directions. So sit like this, sit like that. So it's like sit however you're comfortable because, you know, our bodies are different. Um, 
And for me, these kind of things are quite obvious now because I've been working on it for so long. But still, whenever I have lectures, I realise that people aren't aware of this or needs to be reminded of that. So we definitely need to have a um, continual conversation around this. And I started working last year with Canva on a regular basis. Um, and I'm part of their diversity and inclusion team of photographers so there it's about raising visibility for people with disabilities and just like not just showing people in the everyday environment and again that it should just be normalized um which it hasn't been for so long so i'm i'm, I'm yeah i'm so happy that i get to use photography to highlight these kind of things both commercially and um in my artwork do you find, I'm just curious, do you find that brands are really receptive to what you're telling them? Do they want, they want to take this on? Yeah, um, yeah, I'm curious sort of how much they really genuinely want to. It's interesting because I think we all live in like a li little social bubble. So you are constantly surrounded by people who are like-minded or share the same values as you. And obviously the people who hire me, they already have some kind of understanding of the importance of, of having diverse models um, and it's, I've been in a few situations where I've realised like, oh, okay, this is not my normal audience, um, mm. and sometimes I have to adjust my words a bit, and, and, you know, understanding where they come from, or taking more on a basic level, for example, but I feel like I've been, I'm much more open to these kind of conversations now than I was when I was younger, um, and having to realise that I need to step out of my echo chamber and have these kind of conversations with people who are not from the same background as me, because that's the only way that we can create change as well. Of course. Can we um, move on to talk a little bit about your, your style as a photographer um, and your sort of aesthetic vision? I, I, I've noticed there's a lot of soft light in your work and um, bold colour. How would you describe your style? I think my style has changed quite a lot. A few years ago, it was very white, um, very soft. I wouldn't use much colour at all. Although I would, I wouldn't shoot in black and white. But it was very simple setups, and and I thought a lot about um, technical aspects, how sharp they were, and always focus on the eyes. Um, now it's more about the storytelling. That's the most important. And I've shot my personal projects have mainly been on location rather than studio and um, my commercial work has been more in studio I would say um, so that's kind of an interesting divide I think um, but it's a lot more about the stories that I tell rather than the technical aspects and the style um, but like I said earlier it's so important finding that trust with people and I'm glad you say you said that you can see that in my photos as well um but it's yeah it's like i said earlier as well with with angles i think about that all the time so i wouldn't really take photos of, of women from above necessarily which is i know that's quite common still for photographers to use that in advertisement and stuff like that um but yeah i think it's always evolving styles and that's the beauty of it that there's always so much that you can learn um both about light and about uh, different aspects of photography 
Um, and are there other photographers or painters that particularly influence your work? I recently had a lecture myself about Julia Margaret Cameron and she was a um, pioneer photographer in the 1800s and she was, you know, I, I learned about her when I was about 19 and she has really stayed with me and um, she was a portrait photographer as well. And it's interesting talking about technique there because she was very criticised that um, people said that she wasn't able to take sharp photos and stuff like that. But she actually said that that was a choice, that she liked this kind of dreamy aesthetics and that um, technique wasn't the most important. And she was more criticised than her male colleagues were. And there's, there's still this assumption that women aren't as good with uh, technical things as men. And something that I have faced in my in my previous jobs where I've been working for camera companies as well. So I think, again, looking at my previous work, where I was so obsessed with sharp photos because of, uh, you know, of the assumption that people might make that I wouldn't be able to handle camera properly. And now that I've actually stepped away from that a bit more, it's, it feel, I feel more free in that as well. So she has definitely influenced me both aesthetically, but also in the way I think about photography. Um, but there's a Donna Ferrato, for example, she's a photographer who, who's um, worked a lot um, with raising awareness of different um, issues that women face around domestic abuse and recently abortion in America and, and stuff like that so I mean there's so many so so many photographers that inspire me all the time uh, I love going to exhibitions um, that's my main source of inspiration I would say and can I ask um, what projects you're working on at the moment? So I'm actually, I haven't started a new personal project since Take Back the Streets. Um, I showed it in Liverpool in October last year. And I would still love to show it here in, in London because m most of the photos are taken in London. And it was nice in Liverpool that I got to show it at the Open Eye Gallery, but they have an outdoor space, uh, which is my dream to show Take Back the Streets here in London in, in the public space where, first of all, obviously there's a connection between the message of the photo series about the public space, but also to reach people who wouldn't normally go to art exhibitions and galleries who wouldn't feel comfortable there. So I'm still very much looking into that um but other than that i've i focused a lot the past few months on commercial work and also um to do more public speaking uh, i really enjoy that and, and and it's a great way to to um spark my own creativity as well to be honest and get ideas on how we can tackle the different issues that i raise with photography i did um workshop in a girls school last week actually and they were 17 um and 17 years old and that was really encouraging to see how they already have such a big passion for change and the, the workshop was called art and activism and i got them to think about different topics that they would like to to raise with art as well so it was really encouraging to see that there are new a new generation of of, of um artists willing to to do similar work as I do.
And where can we see your commercial work? So I'm quite active on my Instagram, um, which is uh, Feckman, so F-E-C-K-M-A-N. And then I post on my website as well. I actually recently um, redid my website, so it's updated with shoots. I was a bit um, slow on that one. But um, yeah, I say Instagram mainly, but also my website, which is just my name, fannybeckerman.com. I always bring interviews to a close by asking if you have any recommendations of exhibitions or any any form of art um, for listeners that you've you've seen recently that um, you'd recommend because I think it's always good to spread the word of things. Oh, that's such a good question. And like in January, I went to so many exhibitions in London. Um, I love Saatchi uh, Gallery in London. They always have a lot of. Um, cool contemporary things actually one thing that I do want to recommend now that I think about it is Lee Miller's house in Sussex so um Lee Miller was a photographer active during second world war and she um took photos for Vogue so both fashion inspired uh, photos but also actual images of the war that was then published in Vogue as well which seems very uh, unique if you look at, from the modern gaze now um, but that's a really interesting her house is now a museum and you can get like guided tours hearing about her life story um, which is incredible and similar again as I mentioned Julia Margaret Cameron her house on the Isle of Wight is also a museum now that I, I went there last year and visited that so if you fancy a little trip somewhere and I would recommend uh, Julia Margaret Cameron and Lee Miller's houses. That's great. I really definitely will go to this. Um, I, lo- I love both Julia Margaret Cameron and Lee Miller's work, so I'll have to go and visit their houses. Is there anything you wish I'd asked you, any projects you really want to talk about or um, anything I've missed? No, I think we really covered all my <laughs> um, biggest project. I think there's also an interesting conversation to be had around artists' well-being when you uh, do these kind of projects. I don't think it's enough. Uh, We speak about that enough as well um, because being an artist can be quite lonely unless you're in a collective. Mm. Um, And especially if you focus on raising awareness of social issues. I know that, for example, when I took photos for um, about domestic abuse, I was very young and I didn't really see how that could impact me on a personal level. Um, but again when I started speaking about this with others as well that helped me Um, and it was something that I was very aware of when I started then later a few years later take photos for take back the streets and I was very mindful then um, and think about how can I protect myself while doing all of these as well Um, so I think I'm hoping I haven't really found Um, a good space for these kind of conversations yet I know uh, Open Eye Gallery in Liverpool they work with this quite a lot where I had the opportunity to exhibit last year but I think there's definitely a need for more of those kind of safe spaces here as well definitely because I imagine you um, you're taking on all of these stories and you're accommodating for so many so much sort of pain and um that must manifest itself in you um if you're not able to sort of share it yeah yeah how do you look look after yourself yes difficult because 
it goes both ways. Like, I turned to photography to process what is going on. So I think mm-hmm. Take Back the Streets was very helpful for me to um, to process all these murders that happen where close to where I live. Um, and with the um, project about domestic abuse, that was harder because I was so young and it was my first big project doing something like this. And I thought that I was so strong that I could handle anything. And I, I just like let everyone share their personal story to me. Mm. Whereas now I, I would obviously be happy to still listen, but I would also know my boundaries and refer people to go seek professional help from others mm. who would be able to help them more as well than I am. Um, so it's about learning these kind of things as well, that I can't do everything for everyone, which is hard for me because I'm definitely an empath and, you know, I I feel the pain of others uh, deeply. So I've, I've had to learn it the hard way to set boundaries and realise that, you know, sometimes it's actually more helpful for other people if they can turn somewhere to someone who can completely dedicate all their t- attention and focus um, just for them. Um, and how much have you been a subject of photography? How much have you had your photo taken? How do you find that? I am actually comfortable in front of the camera. Um, and I think oh. it's because my dad always took a lot of photos of me growing up. He's not a professional photographer, but he, he loves it. Um, so I think, yeah, I was always used to having a camera in my face. So, mm-hmm. um that could go both ways you could hate it maybe but I'm just completely comfortable with that and when I studied photography um it was in a city in the middle of nowhere in Sweden we didn't have anything else to do other than taking photos of each other um so that helped as well um and yeah I don't it's it's funny that you asked that because I didn't do it for years but the past six months I've been uh, modeling um a fair bit myself and it, it's good it, it helps me understand um more what it's like being in front of the camera um and you know makes me puts me in a position where you know I put other people when I do my work as well so it's interesting and I think it also helps me being a photographer to be a better model as well because I know what kind of poses works and stuff like that um, so it's it's interesting and I'm you know I, I, I'm happy to do more of that as well um well thank you so much Fanny um there's so much more I could ask you but um I've really enjoyed hearing about your work and everything thank you so much yeah I can definitely speak for hours about photography <laughs> thank you <laughs>